Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Nafi here on this January 16th, 2022 edition of the show. Uh, we're so excited to bring you this episode. It's pretty special to us. A lot of stuff has happened in the last week for the New York Knicks, and uh, we're uh, looking forward to talking about it. Bringing in my partner Nafi here. What's going on, man? How you feeling today? You know, right, man. How can you not be as a Knicks fan? Three-game win streak. Um, I'm just been intoxicated and inebriated and just drunk off of like the uh, the copium that's been uh, mm-hmm. rampaging the Hawks fan base. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've been clued in, but uh, these Twitter spaces the last few days with the uh, Hawks trying to just bargain with the, uh, you know, the just 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 the downfall of their franchise. It's been fun. I dig it. It's uh, quite a good time. But uh, yeah, I'm doing good. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well. Shout out to to Twitter. They saw the groundbreaking idea that Clubhouse had a couple of months ago, and they decided <laughs> just to to take it and go. You know, like Russell Peter says, just take it and go. And Clubhouse, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if they're still in existence, um, but they were hot for like a minute. But now Twitter Spaces is is dope. And uh, shout out to Julito. He had a dope Twitter Spaces this morning with facts. NBK uh, fam with, with the NBK fam and talking about the Knicks Hawks game. And that was a good time. So Twitter Spaces, man. Like, I don't know. We might we might do one real soon. Try to invite all the Knicks fans and join in on the talk. We'll see. We'll see. We'll Wouldn't see be a bad idea. Yeah, you know, let's not put the cart before the horse. But uh, yeah, shout out to just a lot of Knicks content creators have been really making the most of that Twitter Spaces um, platform since it kind of came in and knocked the buildings down and you know replaced Clubhouse. You know what I mean? Um, and that's. As is off, like just on a whole off-topic thing, but that's just capitalism to a nutshell. You know, it's not about good ideas; it's about who steals the best idea, like executes it the best. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, shout out to Twitter, great, great American story right there. You just completely stole, snagged an idea from a smaller creator, and it will probably be the have have clubhouse out there floundering until like they buy them. So, you know, shout yeah. out to Twitter, shout out to American capitalism. That's very sarcastic by me, by the way, but <laughs> hey. What have you? But yeah, I mean, um, we we getting ready to talk about this. We just had a game yesterday. It was um, we beat the Hawks, three game win streak, and unlike the last time we beat the Hawks on Christmas, that spicy Keebler elf Trey Young was in the building um, for this uh, for this ass whooping, and I I had a good time there as well, bro. So I wanted to get your initial thoughts, takeaways from uh, last night's uh, game. Yeah, I mean. Um... Do you want to get into the game first, or you want to talk about the other, uh, you know, heist that the Knicks pulled off before this game? I think it's all related. You know what I mean? Because yeah, because you know, I think it's all related. We're all you know, it's connected with Atlanta. So I just figured we we touch on the game that just happened, and then there's a lot of folks out there that really give their thoughts on the trade. But I mean, if we want to really hit on it quick right now, rapid reaction to our trade, thumbs up for me on uh, getting rid of a Knox, a super protected first round pick for Cam Reddish. Solomon Hill, who's out for the year, and a 2025 net second-round pick, which mm-hmm. could be a high second-round pick, just given the given the direction this franchise has been going the last year, year and a half or so. You know what I mean? But uh, that's just my takeaway. Thumbs up so far. What's your initial reaction before we circle back to kind of digging into it? Because yeah, I do want to touch up, talk, talk about the Hawks game a little right. bit first. We were talking about American capitalism and just taking it away, and, you know, that kind of 
it felt right to talk a little bit about Cam Reddish real quick. Um, ah, yeah, stealing from the from the impoverished poverty franchise exactly. in, uh, in Atlanta. Leon just came in there like, you're gonna take these food stamps and you're gonna give us this <laughs> <laughs> this asset. Um, yeah, I, apparently they wanted Quentin Grimes and the Knicks were like, nah, and they're like, we'll give you Kevin Knox and they're like, I right. and we'll we'll take a second round pick back and they're like, fine. I I don't know why. And there are a couple of reasons why the Hawks probably would have done it. I think the, the, the idea, first and foremost, is that Cam wanted, wanted out anyway. Apparently, he, he vocalized it before the season started that he wanted to be traded to another team. And uh, the Hawks, you know, they valued him as a first-rounder, and, and they, that's what they wanted as a re- in return. So, you know, I guess they asked around the league, and the Knicks were really the only team that were willing to provide them with a first-round pick for Cam Reddish. Now, what that says about Reddish, you know, we can get into that in a bit. But for me, if it, if the cost of Cam Reddish, a twenty-two-year-old, six-foot-eight guard with a seven-foot wingspan, who was, you know, one of the player, the players in a three-team, you know, three-headed monster in Duke, along with Zion and RJ, is coming to the Knicks, I'm with it. And uh, we gave up a heavily protected first-round pick that wasn't even ours to begin with. It was an extra pick that we had, and we're getting back a second-round pick that's going to be there in three years. Um, that's that's an A plus kind of trade for me, and it's it's comforting and it's it's refreshing again to see Leon and company be able to pull off a trade like that. So for me, that's a good ass trade. Nice, kind of went on the whole soliloquy path when I when we when I said a rapid reaction, but yeah, we'll circle back and just kind of dig into our new Knicks player, bro, Cam, the uh, uh who apparently Mark the Berman. I'm gonna call, start calling him the Berman now, Mark Berman, who apparently. You know, Cam and RJ, he reported his 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 lock lock solid, rock solid sources said that that they're engaged in a blood feud. I'm paraphrasing the Berman right now, but fuck him. <laughs> uh, he apparently said they were in a blood feud and they didn't like each other. And then, oh, you know, David Zanon comes on and comes out and squashes that shit right away because he's tied to both those guys as trainers. And, you know, they may not be besties like Zion and RJ were, but that, that was a three-headed monster they had in Duke and they seemed to be always like you know rocket with each other so i just thought that was bullshit and shout out to berman for just keeping his shtick going bro it's, it's about like 20 25 years he's reaching them them aarp you know age range and he's still out here just 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 being that kind of uh nuisance that we all come to you know expect from him so i mean when they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks that's right but that old dog is about to milk the shit out of his one trick you know what i mean so <laughs> mediocre salacious reaching for rumors that's that's mark burn right there not basketball analysis he's a basketball writer you're not gonna get that he's trying to be you know it's new york post that's a it's a cum rag of a newspaper anyway but yeah i mean just wanted to bring bring that up but um yo bro mention rj one star j barrett bro gotta go back to the hawks game and yo i mean it feels like since 2022 since the calendar went for 2021 to 2022 rj's really kind of showing more of what us optimists expected of him in his third year. And I think what that comes down to is the question I posed to you when uh, the Julius absence really came. I was like, are we going to see RJ more on ball now? And that's exactly what happened. He's driving a lot more. He's getting more possessions, running pick a roll, kind of like in that pseudo point forward role that he was kind of touted as coming into the league, right? And I feel like that, what we've seen yesterday and what we've seen in this three-game win streak is RJ not really becoming, oh, I, I'm not one of those people that's just like, oh, fuck Julius and just hand the keys to RJ. What we said from the very start was like the ideal situation is those guys being the one and two, you know what I mean? One and two punch of this roster and everybody else kind of fits in around. That was tough to do with Kemba and it was obviously tough with Fournier acclimating, but he's been playing better and I feel like that ties back to 
RJ's increased role because if the ball is being spread around, like those possessions that Julius has are getting spread around to RJ more, RJ has been getting kind of, you know, getting shooters more involved. And Fournier has been kind of, that's the ripple effect, you know? Like he was getting less touches or more awkward touches when it was mostly Julius kind of, you know, him being the focal point of the offense that the, the, the nerds like say heliocentric source of the offense, you know what I mean? But now it's like, you know, Julius's absence kind of forced Tibbs to rely on RJ. And now RJ's kind of um, delivering on, on that trust. So that's just my biggest takeaway so far, bro. Everything you and I, kind of the, one of the champions of R.J. Barrett, have been saying from the start, give him time. And we're seeing what, what, what hard work and time can bring with that kid because there's still a lot he can work on. But what I'm seeing so far is it's like he just looks so instinctive as a driver um, on the pick and roll, really. And it's just finding the right shooters, finding the right play. And even when he, he's finishing better now because he's realizing, I feel like, more the craft element of like finishing in the paint, you know what I mean? When you don't got that explosive, quick twitch kind of uh, potential or, you know, tools, you got to rely on craft and what, what you know, skills you do have. And one of his skills is strengths, you know what I mean? And I'm just loving what I'm seeing so far, but I'm going to throw it back to you after my little RJ ramble. Yeah. You can no. continue it, you know what I mean? No, part, we're, part two we're ramble seeing, coming? Nah. We're seeing the evolution of RJ Barrett. We we knew it from game one against the Celtics in his, in his debut season. His strength is is drive. One of his main strengths was driving in, and you know, as a 19, 20 year old, he was built like he was 25, 26. And the issue was that he wasn't able to finish effectively. And now we're seeing his evolution, where he's able to finish off the right hand, do a little bit of a fadeaway, pull up in the mid range. That's stuff that we wouldn't see from him, but now we're starting to see him more regularly. And you know, shout out to Fred Katz, the the Atlantic beat writer for the Knicks. Um, he had a really good article about. RJ's development in since December and you know for him it seemed to really click in the OKC game where the Knicks lost to but we saw you know RJ start to play the game a little differently um, prior yeah. to the season we just saw Julius really going in into the pain and then passing it out and RJ would be bricking the shots but now RJ's getting that chance to be uh, aggressive from from the first quarter and start driving in and being kind of the facilitator and you know getting Julius in the open shots and you know they're now they're starting to work off each other now yeah, Julius yeah. now Randall might have some pressure off him because he knows that he's not the only, you know, guy in the team who can drive into the paint and finish and get the and ones. I mean, RJ got ten free throws last game. He scored twenty six points, ten of which were, you know, from the, eight of which were, were from the free throw line. But he went to the line five times. Um, yeah. So he's getting more and more opportunities at the line and increasing his point total as a result. And he's averaging close to twenty five points per game in January. And uh, Randall seems to, you know, finally hone in and now. We're seeing it's not really RJ taking the keys from Randall, but Randall really kind of sharing the, you know, yeah, sharing it's the one and that, two, exactly. one, two punch we wanted. We've been wanting for like the last three years since we got those guys in 2019. And I wanted to, you know, kind of piggyback off of that Go Julius ahead. point you just made. Like to that point, we were up big early and it was like behind RJ's efforts. But then in the second quarter, when we started to kind of lag and then like the Hawks were coming back. And at that point, Julius had only really had two points, but he was still being the facilitator and being somewhat more active on D than we've seen early on in the season. But then that's when he woke up as a scorer. And that's kind of what we envisioned, you know what I mean? Like, we allow kind of, like, RJ to get his touches, like, control the ball a little bit. But Julius is still, like, the guy, the go-to guy where if you need a bucket, five seconds left on the clock, it's going to be him at this stage. It, RJ can be that guy in the future, but, you know, 
one step at a time. But Julius fulfilled that role. I feel like it was that second half or the end of the second half where we went on a run. It was on his back. That kind of encapsulated what we've all been envisioning as far as like the best case scenario. You know what I mean? RJ gets his pick and roll touches. He gets guys like Mitch involved who, side note, I went on a like kind of like a disappointed father rant on Mitch a couple episodes ago just because you know what I mean I was I didn't say I was ready to wash my hands of Mitch but I was getting frustrated. Ever since then he's been killing it and um he's been looking a lot better and it's, it's obvious that like you know to your point like hey maybe he loses weight I was like yeah. and then what happened he lost a little bit more weight he got more used to the increased bulk he's looking a lot more like the Mitch we saw and I think it's not a coincidence that where we kind of did like, I know Kemba's been out, but when we kind of shifted from a Julius heavy offense to guys like RJ getting more touches or even Fournier getting more pick and roll touches, it's opening up more looks for uh, for Mitch at the rim. And even Julius is kind of feeding off of that energy where he had some real nice dishes to uh, Mitch at the paint. And, you know, I saw somebody, uh, shout out to Tyrese from Strickland. He was on Twitter today. He said, uh, Mitch is a special finisher. And I'm inclined to agree. You know what I mean? Um, I keep going back to the tried and true quote from Eric Spoltra a decade ago when uh, he said Tyson Chandler brings the vertical spacing. I was like, ooh, that's a nice basketball nerd lingo. I'm about to put that in my Rolodex. And a decade later, here we are where we're seeing, where we're reaping the benefits of that same concept. Like vertical spacing comes with Mitch and I'm happy to see it. And I hope, you know, I'm back on like, yo, retain and resign Mitch wagon. And I just hope that he's... I hope, like, there's still some Miles Turner chat out there, but I hope it kind of fades away and Mitch right. is here past the deadline. But, yeah, that's yeah. where I wanted to, like I said, I was picking back, piggybacking off of your Julius point, but just, we, yeah, that's, we that's like what to, I saw from Julius. We all like to give RJ credit for turning it around and being, you know, probably the biggest reason why we're winning games now. But, no, nah, like you mentioned, Mitch, Mitch has been extremely valuable on the team in the past couple of games. I mean, just look at his, look at his rebounding. I think the last three mm. games he scored – double-digit rebounds and and double-digit points. They're they're feeding him in the paint, and he's getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound. He's getting close to five, six offensive rebounds a game. And, you know, and it looks like there's no one on these teams that can stop him. Granted, you know, there's there's supposed to be a seven-foot-three unicorn in Dallas that's supposed to be able to keep up, but that man can't rebound, so I doubt that would have had any effect on, on Mitch's game against Dallas. But, you know, He's been just as important on the team, and he's been anchoring the defense, and he's giving the Knicks second chance opportunity at game in and game out. We're get we're you know taking advantage of those opportunities. He's able to pass out from a rebound, um, and he has he's dropped down the number of fouls he commits per game by a very good margin. He's committing maybe two three fouls a game when we used to see him foul out of games multiple times in the season. I don't think he's fouled out of any game this season or has even come close to fouling out any game exactly. this season. He's getting about 30 minutes per game. He's a foul out when he played 20 minutes per game. Now he's, you know, brought, he's playing 50% more, but he's committing less fouls. He's playing much more, um, uh, what's the word? He's playing... In control. In control. Like less, and, rec- less, it, less reckless. Exactly. So, shout, shout out to Mitch right now. He's he's stepped up in the past couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of, he's delivering on exactly what you and I have been pumping up uh, his potential about for years now. You know what I mean? And even just going back to last year where we, all Knicks fans pretty much felt, depending on, you know, there, there's probably people out there that aren't as enthusiastic about Mitch uh, across the Knicks fan base, but we all pretty much agreed last, last, in the last playoffs that his, his, the lack of his presence really did affect what was going on in that series. Like, we all felt like Mitch would have been a, would have been a game changer against Capella. And I know Capella didn't play yesterday, but you still saw Mitch's just absolute, like, behemoth size coming into play. 
with the rebounding, with like kind of just being in the paint and being that 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 release valve when you know if RJ or Julius or even Evan kind of you know find themselves in no man's land or like jumping in there to pass, they kind of just throw it in the vicinity of Mitch and he's he's been showing a lot of what you know I made the Kendrick Perkins joke earlier in the season, but now he's showing way more dexterity and skill that we saw earlier in the season. He's catching a lot smoother and. It's definitely no more like, you know, uh, you know, now we just have to worry about Nerlens Noel's hands, you know what I mean? Um, if he, you know, lasts on the roster past the deadline. But, yeah, man, uh, big, big shout-out to Mitch for, for delivering, being what we wanted. And, you know, also, we're on the kind of topic of guys helping this turnaround. Evan, bro, like, he was our whipping boy. I, I'm I'm kind of passing movement to the bench just because right now it's like kind of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? He seems to be playing better in this new configuration of not just the starting lineup, but also just how the offense is kind of divvied out. And I feel like I don't want to, you know, rock the boat too much right now. So Evan could stay as a starter. It's more so about, you know, what's going to happen with Kemba coming in. Um, is Burks going to be here past the deadline? Because now we could kind of, I know you wanted to dig into the trade right away, but now we could kind of dig into the roster implications of it unless you had some more thoughts on the game. No? Nope. All right, all right. Um. So, yeah, just given what we're seeing, it's kind of a logjam, right? With with Cam coming in, he's a wing, and he's got all the tools. He's very toolsy, and I will be sh- straight up transparent and fair. I wasn't one of these people that, like, was really gassing up what his potential could be, and I refer to these folks somewhat uh, uh, somewhat with admiration and somewhat just clowning, but I call these folks, like, bag Twitter, the motherfuckers that will be like, yo, Gian- Giannis don't got no bag, he ain't shit, or, like, the ones that still kind of clown LeBron for his handle, even though he's his his old ass is putting up legendary numbers still but these are the people that like really kind of honing in on cam's potential you know what i mean saying like what he can what we can become based on his flashes and to be fair that's all he's shown is flashes right but i think just given the fact that he's got a year on his contract knox is going to expire this year he obviously didn't have a future i feel like it's it's a good bet to you know it's it's a good bet to make on his potential and with going back to the roster fit question I'm inclined to believe, like, I know it wasn't, like, a super great first-round pick we gave up for him, but it was still a first-round pick at the end of the day, no matter how heavily protected it is. And I'm inclined to believe that if you give up a first-round pick for a player, um, you do see him being, if not a starter, then, like, at least a significant part of your rotation. You know what I mean? So, with that being said, who you think is more likely to be out of here, Evan or Burks, to give Cam that playing time? It's tough to say right now, especially because the Knicks are rolling lately, and both those guys you mentioned have been killing it. I mean, Burks had a near triple-double last night. I know I know a lot of people are looking at Randall for almost getting Big that double-double with nine assists, but, like, you know, what's his face? Burks had eight assists and nine rebounds last night, and, um, you know, he, he keeps the ball moving. He keeps – he's – outside of Rose, he's been the most consistent Knicks player, but mm. we got to keep in mind that this is going to be as good as it gets for Burks. He's – He's over 30, right? And mm-hmm. um, he's also a guy who's had injury, you know, significant injuries in the past. And um, as much as I as much as I've liked him on the team, but for being like a Swiss Army knife, I think it's got to be him because Fournier, whether you like it or not, is is able to be a shooter on the team. And he hasn't shown it on a consistent level throughout the season, but it seems like he's start he's starting to finally finally find his stride. If right. Cam shows that capability of being at least kind of like that shooter off the dribble you know catch you know catch and shoot uh step back threes if he's able to show a little bit more than flashes of that i think fournier mm-hmm. might be potentially put into a package and traded away for i don't know a guard 
a point guard, you know, who knows. But as far as right now, assuming no trades, if we had to assume some someone's minutes are going down, it's got to be Burks. I mean, Fournier's a $72 million man. His, his minutes are not going to be going down too much for Cam Reddish's contract. It's got, it's got to be Burks. Yeah. I think whatever happens when – because, you know, FYI for Knicks fans that aren't aware, uh, Cam actually didn't play against the Hawks yesterday. Uh, Tibbs had reported recently that uh, – not reported. He, he had said recently that uh, Cam's going to be out a little while because of a sore ankle. Um, so we do have kind of that time, at least for the roster, to kind of acclimate in his absence and for the coaching staff to see what they have in Cam. Um, and, yeah, he's a young player, and just by default, folks are going to lean towards, like, uh, skepticism with Tibbs kind of getting a new young player and, you know, putting him in the rotation, giving him the minutes we would expect. But my thinking is, to your point about, you know, you know the financial implications, Burks versus Evan, if we're talking about who's going to be easier to trade, it's obviously Burks. Who would I prefer to trade? Evan. As good as he's played recently, I still think I prefer Burks over him, um, just because of the price tag, obviously. But when we're talking about, like, to your point, if we're not looking at a trade, are we going to be back at a 10-man rotation? And if that's a 10-man rotation, you know, we got to think about the impending return of, of, of Rose. Um, Kemba's situation seems very sketchy now. They kind of shut him down with a sore mm-hmm. knee. I think uh, one of the reporters had said it's kind of like his ar- knee arthritis flaring up, and that's that's no bueno, bro. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how much longer he's out, but I wouldn't even be surprised if, yo, knock on wood, this news just comes out of nowhere that Kemba's shut down for the season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If that were to come it kind of takes away the the ambiguity of around the roster decisions because if he's out but we know that Rose is going to be back, you slide Rose into the second lineup, we keep the starting five as it is right now because, yeah, I'm with the kind of popular opinion that Burks ain't a point guard. But really when you see how like the teams were playing recently in 2022, we're kind of shifting to the, the offense that we kind of expected on an ideal plane with it running through RJ and and uh, Julius as our playmakers, pseudo point guards, you know what I mean? Everybody else is a shooter or a finisher, right? So I feel like I want to keep that starting lineup. But with Rose back, bench lineup could be Rose, IQ, Grimes. See, there you go. There's a logjam. There's Reddish, and then there's Obi, and then there's Noel. So are we saying that, you know, Noel and Taj aren't going to get big man minutes and we're just going to have a small ball lineup off the bench? Um, that's where I'm thinking. Like, even when you take Kemba out of that, you know, all these permutations, it's still a lot of... It's a logjam, basically. So yeah. I kind of keep circling back to the trade topic and, you know, deadlines around the corner. We just had a trade. So trade is going to be, you know, the main topic on our tongues. But let's go back to a kind of a, a sentiment you and I had at the beginning of the season. We were thinking Obi would be trade bait. For a little while, he was literally looking like he made us eat our words. But then recently, and then just, just yesterday, you know, I know he's a young player, but He's not been looking good in his limited minutes in terms of, like, his defense and kind of, like, awareness. And he got beat back door yesterday. And I, I saw that possession. It was Onika uh, Ongaku. He, like, he just big-bodied uh, Toppin to get a layup at the rim. Like, Toppin was chasing him around, and he still just wasn't strong enough to, like, keep him from getting, like, a cut to the rim. But things like that, I think, are what Tibbs and the coaching staff really hone in on. And it's why we're not seeing, you know, Obi get more and more minutes and, you know, this the long-standing belief that tips first traditional fives. So, yeah, in a roundabout way, I'm back to the question. Do we think Obi's going to be trade bait now going into February? I mean, the way I see it, more likely no. I think Fournier mm-hmm. and Burks would have a better chance of being trade bait, only because it's the February trade deadline. At this point, teams are starting to look at what players can help them make that postseason run. And... 
they're not really looking for that player who can help them out in a year or two, which is what Obi is. Um, I think Burks and Fournier, or even if Kemba comes back and he's looking healthy, which you know chances are low or minimal, um, have better chance than, than Obi getting traded. If Obi gets traded, I mean, you know, you might be able to get a center, but at this point, you can't look at Obi Toppin right now and think that that man is going to come in and help your team get more and more wins because he's not getting that opportunity. He's playing and he's thinking too much because of the position that he's put in. He's he's brought in. He knows he has five to ten minutes of solid time to to play as well as he could to get more minutes. And because of that, he's thinking too much. He's not playing fluid and he's he's committing mistakes. When he's getting more minutes and he's getting more consistent, he was playing better. And he's like you mentioned, he made us eat our words before. Um, I want to add too, though, that like yeah. a lot of his value really did come with just like D Rose being that second unit point guard, mm-hmm. pushing the pace and getting him those looks and kind of helping him flourish offensively. Now we don't really have that kind of guy off the bench. And I love what's IQ been doing this season. I'm not, I was never one of those people this season that was like down on IQ and just wanted to bench him. Yada, yada, yada. I knew the shot would come around just because he's mm-hmm. too good of a shooter, but he's been really looking like a real solid, you know, people kind of hesitant to throw the point guard label on him, but it's just, it's just the 2022 NBA. He's a guard that could play both sides, and he's shown himself to be very, very valuable as a contributor, but he's not like what Rose brought, that that specific skill set, you know what I mean? Right. Rose is really the only one on our roster that had that consistently, that kind of like pushing the pace and attacking the paint and drawing the, the coverage and then passing it out to a cutting OB or, you know, uh, a shooter on the corner, you know what I mean? So I feel like that's definitely played a part in Obi's offensive kind of downturn, which in turn kind of, you know, emphasizes his his screw ups, his his you know his like airhead moments. I like to call them, you know, and that's that's part of being a young player. But I would keep Obi, but it's just looking at the roster crunch right now. It's kind of I'm kind of leaning back towards like I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he got dealt this. Uh, Trade why, why would you want Obi right now? What team right now would look at Obi Top and say we want him right now? I and think he would be part of a larger package because what I'm thinking is like you know what we've noticed with our front office is when the rumor comes out that's kind of like recent, it it almost always ends up being like legit. Like remember the D Rose chatter and then a day or two later last year, he got traded to our team for DSJ in a second. The Cam Reddish chatter really came up like a day or two and then boom the deal hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of looking at the names we've been connected to recently and Jeremy Grant is one. And um, I saw this may have been maybe shifted, but I saw maybe some Detroit writers or national writers saying, you know, Detroit, you know, value values Jeremy Grant highly, but in return they would want a young player. So you know, looking at his contract, I think he has two years left. Uh, one of those is this season. So after the season's over, he would be an expiring, right? Could make Let's sense. say the deal, yeah, it could be like Jeremy Grant, um, Obi Noel Burks for Grant, and maybe the one of the, the maybe the Dallas pick. You know what I mean? And then it's like an incremental upgrade, but if you look at kind of the, and I, they may have to sh- throw in one of their scrubs to make the salaries exactly match up, but you see like kind of, you know, we're not really selling the farm, you know what I mean? But we are kind of upgrading in a way where Jeremy Grant comes in and would he start? Possibly, you know what I mean? He could to. probably with that, with that contract, you're not you're not bringing that yeah, contract and, just and to a bench player. But who's, yeah, who's and gonna, has... who would who would be on the bench now at that point? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, so you bring him in, you know, like you would play him at probably at the three, three, four. We go super big with him, Grant, and Mitch, because that seems like a Tibbs thing to do. But then you have RJ and um, Fournier in that lineup. Exactly, a super big, super versatile, and Grant as the um, you know, like like we mentioned many times, Tibbs has been hesitant to go small with Obi at the five or Randall at the five. But Grant, he's got that experience playing like five, like small ball five, and he's actually a pretty good rim protector from that position. 
Um, and he has that the added bonus of spending a good number of years in Denver where he's played off ball. And so I say that to say that I was one of the people that was kind of skeptical of when that rumor came up. But then now it's like nothing against Obi, but it's just like looking at it. If that's what the cost is, a first, Obi, Noel, and Burks for Grant and maybe a piece or two. Maybe we could get a second-round pick because Brock Aller's in the negotiation. You know how he do. You know what I mean? I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. I would hate to see Obi go, but also just when you hear Tibbs kind of, when they were the press was asking Tibbs after the Cam trade about his comments, he was talking about we can't play like, you know, 11, 12 guys, you know, and I saw a lot of people tweeting in the comments that like, this seems like Tibbs is hinting at wanting another cons- consolidation trade. And I feel like the Jemery Grant kind of template I just laid out, that deal fits that consolidation idea, you know what I mean? So that's where I'm, where my head is at with the with the OB trade talks because I felt like kind of the most make sense move. You know, the Detroit gets the young piece to build with their core. He brings some incitement to the Detroit Pistons or that fan base. You know what I mean? And they get some movable contracts in Noel and Burks and maybe a first round pick. You know what I mean? That's my takeaway. Because I also am not an insider, so I don't know what Grant's um value is around the league i didn't think we would be able to get cam but then you see like the reports coming out the broke ass lakers that offer two second round picks like, <laughs> get, get out of here <laughs> like showing up to a dealership trying to buy a car with like a coupon fuck out of here you know what i mean and then so that that's to say that that's for me to say that like the, the deal ended up being a lot less costly than i thought it would so maybe that's the same case with grant even though i know grant has proven a lot more but yeah that's right. my long ramble so what's your take just looking at his contract he he's getting paid about 20 million that's that's about what julius mm. is getting and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year so exactly yeah expiring so he can't really be like a super like i don't think they could like auction him off for like a super big package you know mm-hmm. what i mean if he's like an expiring contract and you know, we have been mentioned as one of those teams linked to Jeremy Grant and still Miles Turner, but with the way Mitch has been playing, I don't think I think a Grant trade is more likely than a Turner trade. And I think Mitch stays here past the deadline, bro, because it just makes the most sense. We'll need um, another big if we're going to give up both Noel and, and Obi. Um, I don't know I mean, who else got, they got on that team. I just know Isaiah Stewart and, uh, and Jeremy Grant. I don't know who else they got over there. I see what you mean, but I also feel like Grant in himself can be a big. Um, you know, kind of, that's kind of why I think, like, maybe that would be a way for, like, you know, I think Leon and the front office are s- super smart. They've, they've shown themselves to be super smart. And mm-hmm. I think they know what Tibbs' constraints are. So I could see them kind of configuring the roster in a way to lean Tibbs away from his, like, you know, tendencies, pet tendencies. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he may be hesitant to play small. But if we give him somebody like Jeremy Grant, who's shown successful, like, you know, uh, ability to play a small ball five. Maybe that could be what it takes. He just needs a vet to that he can trust in that small ball five role, but he doesn't trust Obi there yet. You know what I mean? And as far as like bigs, maybe we may, it may look like we're lacking if we switch out Noel and Obi, but Grant takes Obi's spot. We still have Tosh and Jericho in the wings as far as like emergency backup centers. And I think Tosh could still be like a 10 to 15 minute backup at this point at the five spot. It all just kind of makes sense. And I feel like that's what a lot of people have yeah. been thinking, you know, that like this can move happen early because it's a larger deal in the works. So if that Detroit framework doesn't have a one, doesn't seem like a one team to one team swap, maybe it's a multiple team trade. But that's where I've been at since we saw you know the Cam deal come down the pipeline. So be interesting, bro. I just, just really don't want to say goodbye to Obi though. Like sentimentality, sentimental wise, you know what I mean. Yeah. I just don't want to. But that framework of a deal makes sense to me. Yeah, you just gotta. I guess they'll have to find more pieces to play that guard role. That's where Alec Burks is really filled in. Um, D Rose and IQ being the only ones, assuming Kemba is out. For however many games, it, that's not going to really cut it. Um, 
but no overall i think the logic behind what you're saying it's it makes sense unfortunately i mean but then it we could, also it could help the... us in the long run right? Jer- jeremy grant's a great player he played great with with Jokic and denver and he that's why he got the contract that he got in detroit who's a garbage team right now another poverty franchise for us to scheme and fleece um it it makes too much sense yeah, and then, like, you know, Scott Perry's got his connections to Detroit. You know what I mean? Um, he's, he was there for a minute. I don't know if, like, anybody that's working in the current front office has that same link, but we did just make a good deal with him last year, D-Rose for DSJ in a second. You know what I mean? Um, so there is that goodwill where that second-round pick we gave him last year was actually their own second-round pick. You know what I mean? So maybe this could be, like, kind of a sweetheart situation where, you know, we, we always talked about Leon and West. They're bringing in, like, the whole idea of connections. And, you know, you scratch our back, we scratch yours. This could be one of those situations we circle back to Detroit, like, yo, Seems like y'all y'all are ass. Jeremy Grant's not bad. <laughs> we have a young guy named Obi. But what I was just gonna say though, one like mitigating factor that might you know just completely kill that pipe dream of a deal I just laid out. Just Obi's agent is Leon's son. Obi CAA like down to the toes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw like the love Leon and our front office has for Obi from jump because he was like one of those initial names mentioned in that draft cycle last year. And it turned out to be a legit love for him. So that's that's what's keeping me from thinking that Obi's likely, you know, likely out the door, you know? Sad to say. We'll see. We'll see. We, you think, we, you, think the CAA, you, you think the CAA connection save him? No, I don't think they care that much. Eh. I didn't, can, right. The Kentucky connection didn't save Knox, so. <laughs> well, I mean, that's because he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he was like a, rest- maybe, a pending restricted free agent. Who knows what Tibbs thinks, man? He doesn't play Obi that many minutes for a reason. Maybe he thinks Obi isn't isn't at that level that we think he is, or he could be. Yeah, but then yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Now let's circle back to a name you mentioned previously, um, and I was I, I pretty much flat out said it doesn't make sense for us to pursue this name. I'm talking about one De'Aaron Fox, and I want to throw out you know, some background info that I love De'Aaron Fox as a prospect. I was legit hoping in that lottery we were lucky enough to jump at the top four or five. You know, we our lottery luck is what it is because we're the Knicks, so Kings got him at five. But I was of the opinion that it wouldn't make sense to do a Julius for Fox swap because I feel like legitimately Julius is a case as a better player now than Fox. But if we're in a situation now where what if we try to get Fox but keep Julius? You see the King situation. You see the fact that they just drafted Davion Mitchell, a point guard, combo guard prospect. Last year, they drafted Tyrese Halliburton, who's been really showing out. They still got Buddy Heald on the books. And um, what word came out from Chris Haynes of Yahoo that it seems like Fox is, uh, seems like he's mentally preparing himself for a trade or you know being shipped out. Um, he talked about how like he sees himself as a scoring guard and how it sucks what he's seen and experienced so far in Sacramento, blah, blah, blah. I'm paraphrasing, but... Do you think there's uh, even a hint of a possibility of us being able to get that Kentucky point guard, Darren Fox, without giving up Julius or RJ or Mitch? No, <laughs> no, that, so? no. Why you you I have mean, one? You have one in mind? I mean, if you're thinking, I'm thinking the Kings are the Kings. Yo, <laughs> Vivek Ranadive is still there, and I think they're a dumbass franchise. <laughs> That's my thinking. Yeah. I know they have a new they have a new GM, some guy named Monty McNair, which frankly sounds made up, but he's there and apparently he's you know he's doing good things. I don't give a shit about the Kings, so I don't pay attention. When but. was the last time the fo- the Kings made? I was about to say the Fox. Well, <laughs> what was the last time the Kings made a bad trade? All of them. When do they make trades in general? I mean. I mean, when Vlade was there, that man was like a drunken sailor. Just, what is? Just, what uh, is yeah, we'll done? give you all. There's the, nothing that that it, like 
pops up in my head and be like, that that was a terrible trade. They they I mean, just they don't draft. Lot, they just draft horribly. But no, but they do have bad trades. Though. I mean, they're, they're pretty sure like fucking Zach Lowe or yeah, only one or, I can remember you know, is, is Harrison Barnes trade, and that wasn't. What even... about the Nick Stosses trade, bro? They gave up mad. Like, I don't remember the particulars, but they was like they just gave up mad picks or whatever to for Nick Stosses to, to get. <laughs> right. And then and then no, they gave up Nick Stosses because he they drafted him right, and they gave him up. I with thought picks. he was in Philly. He got drafted by the Kings. Remember, it was the year after they picked Macklemore, twenty fourteen. Macklemore huh. was twenty thirteen. Okay. Trust me. Okay. Dude, trust okay. me. These are my sources. <laughs> but um, my thing with the trade was like, yeah, well, I don't want to spend too much time on tr- King's mediocrity and trades. But yeah, they're known for shitty overall general managing, bro. So I think that's my mentality is like, yo, you know, Leon could probably sweet talk and be like, yo, you got some young guards. You know, Bagley don't even want to be there. Give, a, give, give us Bagley and Fox and we'll just give you a nice poo-poo platter. You know, like Kemba, uh, Burks, Noel, and fuck it, Obi. You know what I mean? Send him to Sacramento. Because you know, like they swap out Bagley, one disappointing power forward for another one that not, not he's, he's not disappointing power forward, but you know they swap out power forward prospects. We get Fox in the Garden, um, boom, we have our starting lineup, <laughs> yeah. and then we give them all our picks, like a Dallas pick and maybe one ex- additional pick and our, our stockpile of seconds. This is wishful thinking, but I'm I'm still that's an all, understatement. It, it's, it's wishful, but it's also like realistic in the fact that the the Kings are the Kings, bro. Like, you know, I know it's ironic for a Knicks fan to say that. We kind of get on folks about being ignorant about the Knicks, but the Kings have not done anything to get the benefit of the doubt. We get the benefit. We do things that should earn us the benefit of the doubt, and people still clown us. Kings are not that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, it's it's going on 14, 15 years of no playoff appearances. There are kids today that right right now do not know any anything about a successful Kings franchise. It's, I just feel like if they're trying to move into a new era, new complete reset, rebuild. And here you go. Here's some vets. Here's some picks, and here's a a, a, a nicely touted prospect you could sell to your small town fans. Like, oh, he was a national player of the year. I'm talking about Obi. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's a national player of the year. Now we got him in our Sacramento franchise because I don't know if anybody outside of Sacramento cares about that team. But yeah, I could definitely see your face. It's wishful thinking, bro. But that's why that's why we're the non-experts. No, it's I'm over always here to just talk shit and wishfully think. It's so funny because all of us Knicks fans, myself included, like so many Kings players, yet they as a team are garbage and they can't get it done together. They have so many promising pieces with Fox and Davian Mitchell and Halliburton and Bagley they, they, and Buddy Hill. They got a fucking good ass couple of players, but they they can't get it together. Um, but they did say that, like, in that Yahoo article, Chris Fans, not to cut you off, he did mention, I want because it's added to your point, they said nobody's really untouchable right now. And um, they want to keep Halliburton and Fox, but nobody's untouchable. That right. was, like, in one sentence. So I mean, I think De'Aaron Fox is still, objectively, their best player. I think they kind of see him as yeah, their yeah. best player. Maybe not in a couple of years, but right now he's their best player. And I don't think we're going to get anywhere close to him without giving up at least one of those three guys that you said we're not going to give up, whether it's Mitch, RJ, or Randall. It, it doesn't make sense. People view him as an all-star potential caliber player. He he's had numbers that other players have gotten all-star berths for or with, um, and he's still an electric guard. He's still young. We're if we come into the table and you know if we if we give them maybe two two first-round picks that are unprotected and throw in a couple of young players like Obi, they might even want IQ. And like nah, IQ that's you a know deal what I mean? breaker. Like, exactly, to... exactly. Like we have too many deal breakers. Yeah. That's not it's not gonna. It's not feasible, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't even know if it's feasible still, like, on 2K. Yeah, but it's like uh, the Cam Registrator apparently was infeasible on 2K, but I know that's different scales of player, but I wanted to add or interject with the fact that, like, 
even in that Yahoo report for Chris Haynes, he was saying that like Philly has no interest in the framework of a Fox or Simmons deal. So you see in Sacramento, if they were shopping Fox generally for an upgrade and they're getting turned down, I know the Simmons was just one example brought up by Haynes, but to me that says that like they're kind of getting humbled by the, the value that Fox has on the marketplace. Because to your point, you're right, he does have that all-star potential, but whenever we've seen a, a young non-all-star be traded for the farm, you know what I mean? Like Drew Holiday probably is the closest off the top of my head, but he was an all-star, at least a one- or two-time all-star, you know what I mean? And, you know, we saw what Milwaukee gave up to get him as the final piece to their big three for the title. Is there anybody else right there out there right now that you could see even really given that kind of a, a, a godfather offer for De'Aaron Fox? Because with all things considered, he's been in Sacramento. He kind of still has, I don't believe in this perception, but he still has that perception of like uh, em- uh, empty numbers, no wins guys that like Devin Booker had for a minute before Chris Paul got there. You know what I mean? And I think that kind of perception is stupid for players, but it does matter to some of these front office folks, you know what I mean? Because there are, you know, truth be told, dumb front office execs out there, shockingly. There's dumb people in every industry that climb the ladder. So that might be, that needs to come into play, I think, as well. You know, like, historically speaking, I just can't remember where, like, a non-all-star, that, yeah, he's young and he has potential, but a non-all-star like him getting traded for the farm, you know what I mean? Just something to chew on. Yeah, I mean, all right. Let's say, let's say hypothetically, we do get him on the team. Do you foresee the Knicks being as cohesive as we might think? Because he doesn't, he doesn't dish the ball too much. He's more of a score first point guard. We have, yeah, we I have mean, enough scores the on the team, and they're all lefties. But too. that's the interesting. That's the interesting thing. I just wanted to, because uh, I had a locked and loaded rebuttal to that. He even just that was a quote in the same Haynes article. He's just like, you know, I was top five in assists for one or two years at some point, but at the end of the day, I see myself as a scorer, as a scoring oriented guard, and. Well, we, one thing we know about Tibbs, like current, you know, line, starting lineup aside, he does prefer those score first point guards. You know, like it's been discussed at nauseum. Even when D Rose went down in Chicago, every kind of replacement they had was in that score first mold. DJ Augustine, um, mm-hmm. fucking Nate Robinson, um, John Lucas, CJ Watson. You know what I mean? Those guys. And I think that's why he would be a good fit for like the the roster. And yeah, it would kind of maybe. Maybe it would be too much of a change that would rock the lock the boat a bit too much because, like we were just saying previously, it looks like we're all hitting our stride that starting lineup, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe Evan is part of the deal and his touches get allocated to Fox in that lineup. You know what I mean? And it's Fox, Burks, RJ, Julius, Mitch, starting five. Um, and I feel like Fox would be given kind of what we were seeing from Kemba when he, you know, made his return from banishment. He was showing the aggression. And a score first mentality that Tibbs, I feel like, wanted and kind of like you know disrespected into getting out of Kemba. So if Kem- so, if Fox kind of brings that at a younger in a younger age, but with more like explosiveness and speed, I think it could work. It would be an adjustment period, as there always is with good players linking up. But I think just the nature of Tibbs' style and the offense that he would ideally want to run. I think the ideal Tibbs offense we see when Derrick Rose is healthy coming off the second unit. He likes having the, the guards to attack, feeding the wing and the big big men. You know what I mean? I think Fox would fit in like a glove in that regard as far as like a, a Tibbs uh, archetype. There is a concern for shooting. If we're going to give up Fournier and we're going to bring in De'Aaron Fox, that's that's kind of mm. almost night and day in shooting. But let's let's just say, for example, we do Fournier, Obi, and would you give up a, a first round and a second round for Fox? Let's say no. Let's Fournier. say two first rounds. Because the first and second round, I think most people would say yes to. Fournier, Obi, Noel, Dallas—the last Dallas pick we have left—and a future Knicks of, pick. A future unprotected Knicks pick, 
and maybe we we steal from our second round pick stash as well. And I feel like looking at it from a kid's perspective, they get the money to match De'Aaron Fox's contract. They get a young piece that they can hopefully build around or build with for two years and Obi, and then they get the draft capital. Um, and I think that's a fair deal looking at it when you realize all factors that they've been losing for years with Fox, even though I'm, I like him as a player. Um, he's not an all-star yet. He has a capability, but you know that his resume does not say all-star yet or all-NBA or all-defense, all you know what I mean? I feel like that's a good deal looking at it, and I'm obviously seeing it from the Knicks-Homer view, but... You know, like I said, Kings are dumb. That motherfucker Vivek Ranadive, he's a fucking idiot. I mean, he's also making about 33 mil a year. Does, does the, the salaries I just put out there just kind of add up not. to that? Because I know Evan no. is like 18, Obi's like 7 or 8, Noel's like 8. That sounds like close. Close. Close yeah. enough. It, it, it'd go on for about four more years, and then we got Randall's contract, and RG's going to get an extension. Let's say Cam can become at least you know, three quarters of, we, of what we hope he can be. Um, finance that it, it'd be it's not a bad problem to have, and then Mitch's extension coming up soon. It's not a bad problem to have, but it's it's not a little bit. That's that's a lot of money, dude. Thirty three mil for a salary for. So four how about years. this? Let's let's pivot to another name that's been kind of linked to us recently as well, which I think you know, given the trend of our front office, this might actually be more likely than Fox. But Jalen Brunson been mm, mentioned like a lot. That. Um. It's been a lot of kind of – he's really been showing out this year, blossoming. Um, and a lot of people have made a, a thing about the fact that, like, the connection Brunson has to Leon Rose. He, he, Leon practically saw uh, Brunson grow up. He's, like, good friends with his dad, Rick Brunson. This man, Rick Brunson, was at a Knicks game. He had no connection to either franchises, in the, either, you know, aside from, obviously, Jalen Brunson being there. But he was, like, at the Knicks game. No doubt he was probably linking up with Leon before and after the game as well. It was probably a big family reunion. And be, uh, in uh, Bagley, shout-out to – Nick's uh, beat re- beat reporter, beat writer, goat. You know what I mean? The only one that one should trust nowadays. But he had an article or he had a, a tidbit about the Knicks kind of trade machinations and rumors he's hearing. He said, as long as Brunson is alive, and I'm paraphrasing, but as long as Brunson is alive and playing in the NBA, Leon will always want him. <laughs> and it seems like the Mavs kind of, off the top of my head, recalling their salary situation, they kind of uh, boxed themselves in with kind of the extensions they handed out. Obviously, you got Luca, KP, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. on the books, the Reggie Bullock contract. Uh, Brunson's about to be a restricted free agent, so it might be hard for them to retain him this coming summer. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on him? Us possibly, you know, acquiring him at the deadline and making him part of our young core and re-signing him uh, in the summer. What do you make of Brunson over Fox? depends on the the kind of trade package i'm assuming what we trade for brunson would be like half of what we trade probably even more than half because his contract is so minimal he he has like a million to two million dollar salary um yeah we'd, we'd have to take back one of uh the dead bodies on dallas's roster whatever, whatever you want to call him right exactly um i i like him as a prospect uh would i give up too much for him maybe not um he has he has that potential. He's he's only twenty two years old, but his shooting numbers aren't too aren't at a level that we might want. I mean, he's shooting about he's shooting under thirty five percent from the three, and he doesn't get too many assists. Again, it is under minimal minutes. He plays about twenty two minutes per game, so he has shown flashes. That's why the Mavericks really do like him, but for whatever reason, they're not offering him that contract. Like you mentioned, they they kind of put themselves in a put themselves in you know they corner themselves. Um, 
I, I just like, like what I've seen from what literal I've seen of him. You know what I mean? He kind of, yeah. like, I'm going to throw it back to you. I just want to say he kind of reminds you of just like, uh, if you squint a little bit, it reminds you a little bit of Fred Van Fleet. I was, like I was just about to you know say mean? that. Yeah, I was just about to say that because he, he has that height. He has that second round kind of dog mentality where he feels like he's, you know, he, he needs to show out more than, than what was given to him. Um, and I think it's a low-risk, high-reward kind of trade. If we get Jalen Brunson, depend again depends on the package and according to all these articles, we the Knicks quote unquote want him badly. So yeah, and he seems like uh like to go back to the whole you know the motif of the Tibbs prototype point guard. He does seem like that point guard. He's score first, scoring oriented, as you kind of call out his numbers. He's not really getting those assist numbers, but yeah, I think he has a designated role, obviously playing off of Luca yeah. coming in and just being that score scorer guy because mm-hmm. Luca's pretty much the point god over there not even point forward point right god. and he has an opportunity to start for the knicks because d rose is comfortable yeah. playing off the second round uh second second uh team and um it's it it's, it's a good it's a solid move overall you know that's that that'd be like an a minus kind of move to get jalen brunson again yeah. it depends on the package but i think we have players to spare to to get to dallas yeah i mean if we come away this trade deadline and we got cam reddish and jalen brunson i mean I know folks was expecting some big shit. Maybe there was some folks out that they're expecting like a game changing, like a game breaker of a deal. But I wouldn't be mad at that as our takeaways from the deadline. I feel like we get youth, but we also get better consolidated assets, and we get guys that fit. You know. Yeah. Um, but last question before we close out. I know we've been talking for a minute right now. Um, I know look, this is aside from like kind of getting your prediction for our, our MLK Day game coming up against the Hornets, but rounding back to the cam acquisition this is kind of a philosophical question you and i were throwing back and forth to each other uh as a deal happened offline but does this just so i get the wording right i'm gonna check our notes what does this deal about bringing in cam say about the front office's willingness or unwillingness to build around rj i don't see what i don't see where you'd get unwillingness from you want to, I mean, yeah, you it's an open-ended question. Okay. I want, I want, yeah, okay. yeah, no, I, I think it definitely shows a willingness if they're bringing his boy from college in to show some form of, you know, sign that they believe in RJ and hope that his boy can kind of level up the way RJ has. I mean, let's let's talk about Cam for a sec because his, his issues that people have brought up were low motor um, and kind of inconsistency on defense and shooting. Yeah, he's and, like a space cadet on defense. Right. Unless he's kind of locked in one-on-one, he's just really kind of lost off-ball Right. what I've seen. And, you know, his issues are things that I think RJ has had issues with. His his shooting's been on and off. His defense has also been on and off. But if Cam were to Finishing. come and join this team filled with gym rats and who go to, you know, who, who ball together post-game, pre-game, and they're just in the gym all day and all night, he'll start getting to that rhythm. And, of course, he's got that tips coaching staff kind of pushing him you know, to that point, I think he has a potential level of growth that we've been seeing with RJ over the last two seasons. So RJ and, and Cam, they they had a nice cohesion when they played in Duke, yeah. and they were able to play off one another, and they both have similar playing styles. I mean, Cam's a couple inches taller, but he has a similar playing style than RJ does, that, that RJ does. Yeah. So I think if they give Cam the opportunity to learn from RJ, they'll both grow together, but it, it shows RJ a level of additional commitment that they have to him being at least exactly. if not the guy being the top two guy and and of course yeah. they show randall this every game by keeping him and giving him the minutes that he gets they show that level of commitment to him anyway yeah and i think it's just like i saw a lot of people kind of i asked that question because there were some folks on 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 Nick's twitter that were kind of even just pleasantly surprised that the front office did kind of show like show their hand a little bit or show their cards and you know convey a, an inclination to build around rj because i feel like this is the most like kind of transparent 
uh, move they've made so far in this regime's you know, like uh, you know this regime's track record so far that shows that okay, we do see RJ as that building block piece. You know what I mean? And we get his boy in, and you know, shout out to uh, Hawks fans who thought Cam was better than RJ, and then an mm. article dropped over the summer that said the Hawks want Cam to be more like RJ and mm. to reach out to RJ. And now, you know what, you know, he's here, and I feel like that's obviously, it's a boon, you know, a change in environment, change in scenery, especially for a young player, we see it all the time in the NBA, like, it, it does wonders for them, and there are also cases where, you know, they still end up washing out of the league, but to your point, you know, moving past that question, but to your point about Cam and his fit in the roster, to engage with that a little bit more, I do like the aspect of him kind of wanting more touches for himself, I saw some folks hesitant, like, you know, we've got a lot of guys that want touches, but I think that second unit creator role is an opening there now without Kemba and D-Rose, you know what I mean? So if he's on there kind of getting those chance to, you know, similarly how we're seeing RJ get the ball in his hands in the starting lineup, if Cam gets those same kind of looks and touches with the second unit, with IQ there, with Obi, um, Taj kind of being the role man, I think that's a good look, and I think that's going to be a good opportunity for him to really flourish as he sees him, he sees himself flourishing, you know? And what I want to say, at least as far as, like, there's some also I want to hit on a lot of the skeptics or there was some skeptics. I'm mean, generally Knicks fans are happy about the deal. How can you not be? But folks are kind of worried about, you know, that report that did come out where the Atlanta beat writer for the athletic confirmed, you know, he camps been wanting out for damn near two years, you know, and he put in a trade request over the summer, but he kept it professional, but it did make like an awkward situation in the locker room where, you know, the franchise and then the players kind of, they didn't know how to like, you know, work around cam when he clearly didn't want to be there. So is there any worry of as far as like his ego kind of meshing with the good good group of guys we seem to have so far? No, I don't think so. I think he's the new guy on the team that he's not going to feel that kind of entitlement, and he he mm. understands coming in that he's uh, <clears throat> he's not a top two kind of guy right now. Um, but he you know quoted himself saying that he feels like he can be a star, but he understands that he has to put in that work for it. So I think I think he's going to be humbled once he plays with this team, especially since the Hawks have not been good this year. Um, but there's there he understands. I think he'll know sooner sooner rather than later that he has that opportunity to be kind of a building block for the team. Uh, especially, I think if when we see, and I think it's inevitable at this point when we see a couple more trades, at least one more trade happen in the next month, he'll see that opportunity opening up for him. And uh, it's really up to him because Knox, his issue was that he has he has the tools. He just wasn't able to. He didn't you know, have the belief in himself. You exactly. I, mean? I think that's and, the difference between him and Cam. Cam legit believes he's that guy or can be that guy. I don't think I ever saw any of that from Knox. You know, right, exactly. Kind of and, in there. and that was that was his primary you know, issue. He just lacked the confidence, which doesn't seem to be the case for Cam. I think Cam just uh, needs that motor to keep going, and he has a team filled with actual players who want to – you know, win games and be together. And we saw it last season, and we, we kind of saw it sporadically this season. But, again, knock on wood, it looks like they're kind of getting into that rhythm that we saw all season last year. And, you know, it could have come at a better time. Um, but, you know, he mm-hmm. – I, I like the comparison that he made for himself. He he said that he sees himself potentially kind of playing like Paul George. And, I obviously, that's, that's the name a, a lot of people are throwing out there. That would be yeah. the best-case scenario. They both have a similar height. He got a seven foot one wingspan, and Paul George is one of the best two-way players in the NBA right now, probably a top three two-way player. Um, yeah, what and, I said to that, though, is, you know, just hold your horses, Cam. Just, yeah. I, I dig the confidence. But, like, yeah, yeah, that's, if that's what he's, but if that's what he's targeting and if he's being vocal about it and kind of has that confidence to try to work towards that, he has to understand that the Knicks media is going to hold him accountable for that. You put that name out there, yeah, and I we're going to hold you accountable game in, game out. What, the, what are yeah, you no, doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to chime like in, too. Just like, here, 
Yeah, I'm gonna chime in too, just with the PTSD just flared up because like if you remember, Knox is saying he wanted to repeat like PG two. Mm-hmm. Fizz that was like, oh, well, I'm gonna get him in touch, get get Knox get in touch right. with Paul George. You know what I mean? Like, well, we're gonna get you working with uh, George, Paul George in the summer. You know, that's who you should model your game after. So that's where I'm kind of just like, all right, let's hold our horses. Let's, right. uh, let's not repeat that. But, now, uh, the good thing, I know we've been going for a minute right now. Yeah, the good I mean, thing is that he's, he's been playing very solid up in just in the last month before this ankle injury. He's been. Uh, I think I have the stats somewhere around here. He in December he he was scoring about twenty two points per game, shooting at forty three percent from the three. His field goal percentage isn't that good, and that's gonna come with you know getting a little bit older, getting get, getting more experience on the court. Uh, his his field goal percentage is usually about in the forty percentage, you know. So yep. that's something he can work on. He's only twenty two years old. He has that potential, and uh, I think uh, he's definitely an upgrade over over Knox. Cool. That about puts a bow on uh. Cam's take from uh, from Mo of Nickish, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, I just didn't want to say that we we reaching the one hour mark right now. It's been a minute since we put out a hefty episode like this, you know what I mean? But uh, feel good to kind of get that all out. You know, a lot of things happen, vibes are good. But uh, yep. I guess last thing before we sign off, um, it's technically is Monday technically MLK Day? I mean, it's a federal holiday, but like I think it was like yesterday, right? Yesterday today was like his no, birthday. No, it's, it's Monday. It's always a Monday. Okay, yeah, but yeah, so yeah, MLK Day. We got our matchup against Charlotte. <laughs> Uh, prediction for the game? Your 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 prediction for the Charlotte game? Oh my bad, but you, my audio cut out. Uh, Knicks game the W. Easy. <laughs> gotcha. No, right. I'm no, no need a second thought about it. Uh, it's reached a it's reached a point now. Like realistically, we can say that I I can now knock on would feel like the Knicks can can win any game that they play now. That's how it felt last yeah, season. Yeah, MSG. Yeah. Yeah, it seems MSC's not haunted anymore. So, you know, we're, oh, God, we're winning God, games God. at uh, at home now. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just going to answer that prediction. Like, Knicks win, and we see uh, Mitch posterize Miles Plumley and or Gordon Hayward in uh, in celebration of MLK Day. So, you know, <laughs> shout out to the Knicks. <laughs> Probably both, same time. <laughs> Why not? Just stuff the shit out of them and have Hayward, like... I don't know, report a hate crime somehow. So he, he did that specifically because I'm white, officer. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think that about uh, does it for our for, for this episode, bro. Yep. Any last words before we uh, nah, just say peace out to our loyal listeners? We appreciate you guys checking out this episode. Nickish, just make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. This week will be a special week for us here at Nickish. We got uh, big plans as we are dropping our first drop of Nickish hoodies. Next Saturday, January 22nd, yes, sir. Uh, we'll be dropping a time on the website for you guys to start checking them out. Uh, and as mentioned on all social media, we will be doing a raffle for everyone who buys a Nickish hoodie. And the prize will be announced later this week. It's going to be fire. It's going to be mm-hmm. dope. Uh, so we're, we're looking forward to announcing that to you guys also. Just make sure you keep an eye out on our Instagram page and Twitter page. Um, and that that about calls it for this episode of Nickish. Uh We appreciate you guys again. Take care, everyone. Peace. Peace.